0: Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the recap of Il Lombardia, the last major race of the year, although we have Parry Tour tomorrow. We won't be recapping that on the podcast, nor Lankawi, I don't think. Uh, this is the fifth monument of the year, the race of the Falling Leaves. I couldn't see too many Falling Leaves, let alone brown ones. It was still uh, summer jersey conditions in October here in the... Uh, lakes north of Milan, 253 k's, 4700 meters. sort of region of climbing, a lot of accumulated climbing, but not done for the most part the first two-thirds of this race at a severe pace uh, with a breakaway up the road. The main part of the race really starts with the Madonna del Guzzallo 8.7K is 5.4%. There's a descent in the middle of that. It's a little bit steeper. And then the trio combination of San Fermo del della Battaglia, which is 2.8K, 6.7% descent. Then the Chivilio, 4K is 10% descent. And then San Fermo della Battaglia again for a descent. And the flat run into Como, where it's, yeah, a flat, big, wide sprint, like a Tour of Flanders finish. So... Yeah, if you're not there solo, you need to be able to sprint to win. The Chivilio climb is sort of 12.5 if they break the record to 13.5 minutes region, not a 20-minute climb. gizzalo's a little bit uh, longer. But we had some retirements, Benji. We should talk about, got it Two Valverde's last race, um, Nibali's last race, and he had a special helmet for it. And theoretically... Yeah, okay. Possibly Pozzo's last race, although I think that's like, don't I think he's more than good enough to keep riding at world tour level.
1: Exactly. We don't know if he will retire. We don't have a contract extension that is public yet. I think he's definitely a rider that should deserve another world tour contract if he is willing to ride another year. I haven't found anything about that so i don't know but another rider that was supposed to retire today and is still supposed to retire today was Mikel nieve and he actually had something unfortunate happen in the race during his last race at Cajarol, He ended up crashing in one of the descents with fortunato and they were both out of the race as a consequence nieve potentially with a collarbone fracture so what a shitty way to end your career man like this guy has won grand tour stage in the past, has been part of mountain trains in the past at the highest level. Neva' is a big guy, and just such an unfortunate way to end his career, similar to the unfortunate way that Richie Port and Doos's career ended where their last race was taken away unexpectedly because the queen died in the u k and now, this with Neva, it's like half of the retirements are being done accidentally or in a way that is not fun for the rider, which is a bit disappointing, I think I want. Riders with a career to be able to end it on a, a positive note, at least, or a relatively positive note. And talking about a positive note, I was expecting Vincenzo Nibali, the shark of Messina, to show one last breath of fire throughout this parkour, and perhaps it might happen, perhaps it might not. But uh, yeah, that's basically it until Madonna del Gizalo, right? Because we saw nothing else, break being caught afterwards, and Madonna del Ghisalo being the climb where the action started occurring, and... There we saw multiple teams moving to the front end, three teams spacing, but in a in a certain order. I think Ineos was the first one to base?
0: Yeah, listen, Ineos tactics this year for a lot of the races. Classics, cobble classics was good, but I don't know what they were doing. Um, kind of in some of the welter climbs... This was even weirder because they had Sivakov, who was clearly not a leader, just go to the front at the base of Del Guzzalo with the eight-second wheel eating a load of wind at 25, 30 k's an hour. Sivakov just launch it and with no plan for any other rider to keep it going. Uh, so I was like, I didn't really understand the point of it. Um And yeah, no one really continued. They keep doing it in EOS. It's like... They've been doing it for almost a couple of years where they, they don't realize they're not the strongest team in the world anymore. Yeah. Like, they need to be a bit more conservative sometimes.
1: And also, I think next to that, I want to add that let's say that it's a plan to make the race harder on this Madonna del Ghislao. I think you're right in pinpointing that. Let's say that a Sivakov paces and then another rider, rider comes around and starts pacing and another rider, and it's all to plan Yates as the final rider in this race. and make sure that the peloton is thinner. Sure, that's a possibility, but the fact that there's no one after Sivakov just makes it make no sense like you mentioned. That's the aspect that is the worst for me when it's when it comes to this tactic. The fact that it's Sivakov, uh, if he's in bad form or worse form than in the Velta, for example, then it's understandable that they fold him into a domestique role, but the fact there's no follow-up was the issue for me. But then there was a follow-up, but not from Ineos. Then Jumbo came to the front with, a lot of riders starting the pace. And I was also thinking, like, what is the aspect that Jumbo has in this race? What is their goal here? Because they've got Jonas Vingegaard, They've got a rider that on paper, if he gets over the Siviglio with uh, with Pogachar, he's unlikely to beat Pogacar in the sprint. So we'd need to drop Pogacar on the Siviglio. So maybe they're trying to make the race hard already. Maybe to drop some punches as well, even though I would have expected them to drop on Siviglio anyway. Like... What do you think the goal was from Yambo here on Madonna del Gisela?
0: It's the longest climb of the race. So I think they were trying to yeah make the race as hard as possible on the climb that maybe suited Jonas the best. or Because it wasn't to keep him in good position because he wasn't sitting too near the front. He was sitting, I think, behind Ineos and UAE. Harper was pulling a lot. Again, it was kind of like the Vuelta where Harper would pull, Oman would sit in. And then be dropped, sort of, without being able to pull. And it's clear that Harper's stronger than Omen, and Harper should pull after Omen if they're trying to make the race hard. But yeah, that they weren't. No one was the strongest team in the race. Out of Ineos or Jumbo Visma, it was UAE who really dominated this race from the middle of the Gazala. One was they like shut it down completely. It was actually a pretty boring race. Actually, there were no furious attacks from lots of different riders. It was literally from 70k's out. Almeida goes to the front, absolutely starts ripping it like it's in a single line. Yeah, like hunt, you know, it's still a big group, but no one can attack, no one can play numbers, and he paces Gisalo, paces the descent. I think I would have probably done he or she on the descent because a lot of riders came back on the descent, like uh, Harper, for example. Like the group swelled once again. And then it was Almeida in the middle, uh, sort of a fair valley before uh, the San Fermo first climb. In fact, there's a really technical descent as well. I'll talk about that in a second. But before I get to that, I'll mention I teased it a little bit ago that Zwift had announced a raft of updates landing soon, meaning there's never been a better time to join, particularly when this is the race of the Falling Leaves. We're getting into winter But it has now launched one of the most requested features ever on Swift. The holo replays or holo replays is where you can chase or race your latest or best segment completion and basically chase your PR ghost on Swift. So that's launched. If you want to check it out or Swift more broadly, you can go to swift.com through the link down below and get a free seven day trial. But yeah, what do you make of UAE strategy, Benji? It was the same as like what we see in every race for Pog one day race, that is.
1: Yeah, we saw it gradually changing a tiny bit though, I think, in the Italian classics. As in we I think had Emilia first and Trevali and now we had Lombardia. In Emilia we saw the team prepare him and the likes of a uh, Yolisi was used earlier in that train, for example, Formula once again in that race, the one that tries to launch Pogacar, but it wasn't Pogacar that ended up doing the attack in Emilia. Nonetheless, Formula last rider and so forth, so that worked there. But Maz was a tiny bit stronger on, or was a significant bit stronger on the last two San Luca climbs in that race. Now Treviso, Varesine, we see a strategy where it's more. I think Ulisi was used as second last rider, even if my memory serves me right in Treviso, Varesine. So they they played around with the train a bit in the last three Italian classics and. Uh, we saw Trivale-Varezini being one by Pogacar in a reduced sprint. Yes, the parkour was not as hard as an Emilia, for example, not as hard as a, a Lombardia either, but we do notice changes there, and perhaps Pogacar getting a tiny bit better again compared to Emilia. Now we move towards Lombardia, and we see a strategy at this point in the race where, once again, UAE starts pacing, even on at the top of, like, Madonna del Ghisalo, you mentioned it. Almeida was also doing a tiny bit of work there, then in that... Valley also still pacing, trying to keep some people behind, but I also think they didn't really care if Ala Philippe came back in the Valley and so forth. But you're right that they, they just had that train again, trying to launch Pogacar. That was what I saw when they were moving towards Chevillian and so So I saw no change in that, except for the fact that the order of the riders in the train changed a tiny bit, that Ulisi was being saved in the wheel of Pogacar, looking like it at the start of Seville. But uh we'll talk about Ulisi in a bit on this climb. Like, let's go through properly, what happens left and right? What happens?
0: It's yeah, just UAE pretty much well, first Mateo Fabro goes to front. I don't know if anyone does anyone know what does Bora know what Fabro was doing? Because Agita was in bad position at the back of the group and a lot of riders, Jonas, Agita, um, a few others really struggled Lopez. Um, They probably didn't have – they definitely didn't have Pog's legs, of course, anyway, but with the descents into the run into these climbs, it's – you enter these climbs in bad position and someone at the front launches it. You have to do a huge watt spike to get back. Someone loses the wheel. You have to close it. You just – it's just not where you want to be. Um, And Egito was at the back and Fabro was just dangling in front of Micah. Uh, He – literally on camera, seemed to not really know what his plan was. And it wasn't an attack because <laughs> he'd get given a gap and then kind of stop a bit because Michael was just doing his set pace. And then I'm not sure if it was Formula or whoever, but they just launched POG. It wasn't shown – uh was it shown directly on camera from um, the POG attack? Probably not because it's RCS race and only Enric Maas, I think, can follow Lander – uh, was a little bit off. Vingegaard's dropped. He'd already closed a gap, and then he drops immediately. So it's just the same as Giro Milia, except it's Pog attacking first this time. Makes sense. And then Enric Mas counterattacks him, then Pog counterattacks him. Lander comes back. This is where it gets really confusing, Benji. Why, with Valverde behind, La Ultima Bala, when you think about Masnada with Alaphilippe behind last year with Pogaccia, in the same race, why did Mas? I get him yeah. attacking, but why is he pulling with Pog? Ever in this finish?
1: Well, initially the group two had Valverde in it, so then there's no point in my eyes to see Mas pacing in that front group at all. Now the group behind started falling apart at a certain point, where I think uh, Carlos Rodriguez and Higita got a bit of a gap of like 30 seconds at some point, like. Two minutes after they attacked already, so that Valverde group was not really cooperating properly. So after that, then there's a reason that could happen. But initially, I agree, if he's together with Pogacar, then there's no point to be pacing with Pogacar because Pogacar is the fastest rider in that group 100%, and there's no like climb that is coming where he's on paper able to drop a Pogachar. And if Valverde is in the group behind, then he should be sitting on and hoping that Valverde comes back and playing the Valverde card on a finish like this. But once that second group fell apart, then there's the valid reason that he could be securing his podium by pacing with Pogacar and Landa in that group as well, while Valverde was not in G2 anymore. Do you think that's something he should be thinking about, knowing that the relegation battle is not ongoing anymore for Movistar? Should he still be playing the podium in a monument?
0: That's the thing. I don't think he was playing points because they're so safe. There's It's not possible. And also, even if worst case happens, you do a really risky strategy and Hugh and Bala come like sixth and eighth. That's still a load of points. So I can't be the points thing anymore. I think it's just wanting to maximize being on the podium of a monument. You also don't know what bonuses guys get. Um, how their contracts are structured. Maybe guys get bonuses for a podium in a monument rather than just wins. I don't know um, in this case what he, what he has. So it could be that. It could be second gets more than third. Um, or you just want the prestige of being on the podium of a monument. And I said it in the preview that, like, I cannot believe in the situation where Wout van Art's in a group, no one will work with him. Obviously, they don't want to work with him, a bunch of climbers. People still seem to work with Pogaccia in small groups over and over again, and I don't know what it is. I feel like it's a cognitive dissonance that because he's a GC rider and so good at GC, they still underrate his sprint. It's like you literally have like 2%, 3% chance of beating him in the sprint. Maybe may around there it could be five percent, one percent, zero percent. It's not. It's never zero, but but people act like it's yep. they have a fighting chance, like a mass and a lander. And they lander didn't. Mass kind of did, and they don't. I, I don't really get it. Agita and Bardi were behind. They drop Vingegaard, and yeah, I was just surprised they get into last San Fermo. Mass tries one attack. The Moto is again in RCS races. They Moritz won because the Moto on Poggio descent. Mass like, got blocked by attacking his one attack on Santerma, or the second last attack. Um, It's a real shame. I don't think he would have got away anyway. And then, pretty much, Uh, yeah. They they dropped Lander. Is that what you think he was doing? Do you think he was riding for second? Because he kept relaying with Pog, even with 3Ks to go.
1: I think he was probably riding to secure second at that point. I won't lie. Perhaps there were there's a tiny idea that perhaps if I keep on riding, then I might be able to surprise somehow in the sprint. I don't believe that. I wasn't expecting that to happen. I don't think anyone that was watching was expecting that to happen. I think uh, it was pretty clear that once we got onto the San Fermo Di Battaglia and we saw that first muzz attack not working against Pogacar and that second attack being blocked by the motorbike, that I agree with you, it wouldn't have had any influence if that motorbike was not there, in my opinion. But Pogachar counter towards the top. And once they both get over the top, there's just 99 percent chance that your boy Poggy wins this race. Like there's he, he'd have to crash, have a puncture, something should happen to like influence him. And fortunately for the race, because it would have been really sad if that occurred in the final of this Lombardia. Pogachar and Must stay together throughout that descent. Landa, well, he's back towards the top for a bit. Because like Lando was like playing like the guy that drops and then comes back, drops and comes. back. Do you think it's like on purpose that he doesn't react to the accelerations? No, he couldn't.
0: He couldn't react. I don't think he looked because he would have been able to close back quicker on the flat. And yeah. I think Because mass wasn't pulling that hard. And I'm not. I'm not saying that mass pulling meant he then didn't win the sprint or something. He's still losing the sprint. I just think the only way he or Landa have a chance of winning, is to form an immediate unspoken alliance and be like, we're the only two. Unfortunately, the gap is so big to the group behind that Poggi doesn't need to just pull full gas like he did with uh, Masnada in the wheel last year. And they need to roll attacks. And Landa didn't really get to attack on the descent. I think Pogaccia on the Chivilio descent maybe kind of anticipated that Landa might attack. and they didn't do that mass kind of rode against Lander. So yeah, we get to the sprint and again Carapaz, if you watch the Eguita Catalunya sprint, Eguita is a, a much better has a much better sprint than Carapaz. Uh, but Carapaz beat him in the second or la- second last stage of Catalunya this year because he triggers Eguita to go. He stays in the draft for as long as possible and then does his last a 5 second burst out of the draft. But if you're a weaker sprinter like Mas and you do the same equivalent time in the wind as Pogaccia, you will lose 100% of the time. And that's what happened. Mas needed to bait Pogaccia. Pogaccia did what he did in RVV. He waited, tried to wait for as long as possible, but this time Lander didn't come back like um, Van Baal did. And Mas went at like 100 and Poggi's just winning that. And he does, wins Lombardia again. Back to back, I'm sure UAE are very happy. Like there are a lot of Italian staff, and Giannetti's Italian, and the sponsors are Italian as well, a lot of them. And he beats Lander, so a Spanish two-three. Then Aguieta wins the sprint against Rodriguez. Behind Valverde wins the group. Three or four sprint uh for six, so four Spaniards in the top six, then Molima Mollard, which Benji I think said was top ten, but a Yates Piccolo eleventh. That's absolutely mental. <laughs> what the hell? Vingegaard loses two <laughs> minutes and he finishes with uh just ahead of and Martinez in sixteenth. So not the best day for him. He didn't have it on Chevillo and yeah, overextended. Where, but where? Where? Oh. Where,
1: where, where is my shark?
0: Oh, he got dropped on. Where did he get dropped? Civilio. He
1: drowned on Civilio. Ooh. He straight up drowned. A shark that drowned, not okay. He needed to attack but, on uh, that. Yeah, screen. regardless
0: of today's rains, he needed to attack earlier. Sorry. The TV.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I I don't care. Like, I'm just gonna be sad that his career is ended and cry all night. But next to that, like, Valverde, able will. To still get a top 10 at the end of his career on the last race was expected he does it it's just it's fascinating isn't it and four spaniards in the top six and two of them well carlos rodriguez being one that's definitely going to be a future for spain ma's not that uh much at the end of his career yet so looking a lot better eh? spanish cycling in the last like three months compared to the the year before, for example, but I also wanna mention Pogacar wins the Lombardia. Let's talk about that for a second. About his season so far. He started off very strongly. He he won the likes of Tireno, he won Strade Bianche. He uh won UAE Tour, the most important Grand Tour for UAE team emirates. Next to that, he was top favorite for Milano Sanremo. We highly disagree with that because people were sometimes saying that he would attack on the Cipresa and never be seen again. That was just overrating him based on the fact that he's won everything before that in the season. And then he preps for RVV. He ends up being out of position due to a crash before one of the important climbs. He's not there in the final. But Tour of Flanders, he's the best rider in the race. I will keep saying that. And he ends up losing it by... He played around in the last kilometer and it didn't go his way. Tour of Slovenia won. Doesn't matter. No offense to Tour of Slovenia and Tour de France getting second there, just behind Wingergaard, doesn't win the road race world championships, wins Montreal. Was it a season that needed to be saved by a monument win? As in, there were zero Grand Tour wins, zero monument wins before this Lombardia? Is it harsh to say that this arguably saves the season?
0: Uh, no, because he's paid to win the Tour. Well, I don't know why he's... like. Uh, sorry, I know why he's paid the big bucks. Uh, but... I don't know what UAE's goals are that they set in January 2022 with him. Um, but from my perspective, yeah, his goal should be to win the tour every year, and if not, to go to the welter and try and win that. Or but he didn't do the welter. Um, and he didn't win the tour. So, um, like I wouldn't say I don't really believe in like the saving the season. I think. You know, he turned up to Lombardia. He was the favorite. He got the job done. It's extremely impressive how he carries his form from February all the way through to, I think, middle of October or early October. And that's where sometimes people have got a little bit confused with Pogaccia, but particularly in the Tour this year was evident, where because Pog wins on Jabal Hafeet seemingly easily in February, or Strade, uh, where Alaphilippe crashed, I, I'm not minimizing them. I'm just saying the watts there are, are not the same as the tour and uh, uh, that are re- required to win the tour. And the same as today, the watts they're doing on Chivilio are not enough to, you know, drop someone on Murder Pagur. He, he was better probably in the tour on Murder Pagur than Chivilio today. I haven't seen the watts, but. Motor people are probably higher, and so whereas other riders peak their peaks are higher and their troughs are lower, whereas Pog is just always just absolutely world class and if you're absolutely world class for almost every race you do, you can win a lot of races uh or top five a lot of races, which he has so it's still a like it's still a great season um could he have won the t d f I don't know. Jonas' legs crazy. That's a discussion for another day. But yeah, on this parkour, Benji, how could he have, how could any team have beaten Pog today?
1: I don't think there was too much they could do. As in, the team around him was the strongest team in the race. That's simple. And next to that, the parkour offered no real ability to get ahead of the peloton as an outsider or GC leader before they get to San Fermo di Battaglia the first time around. There's, just no chance in my eyes that you can attack on del Gisalo against the train of UAE and actually stay away. Like, I saw no ability to that. I saw no ability before the race started and during the race that just proved what I thought before the race. So, I um, he was the heavy favorite for this race. We, we mentioned beforehand that he was likely going to win and then we both selected two other riders. So, we did great in doing so. Vincenzo Nibali was probably the worst pick that I could have gotten from the people that now we're on the list of riders that started but i had fun selecting him and following this race as well but yeah pogacar does it and he does so ending the season in a in a proper fashion eh we can't complain about that he's been a very entertaining rider this year we can talk about him getting second at the tour de france being a disappointment for him it's most likely a disappointment for the team probably as well but in all honesty he was one of the most entertaining riders in that race and in many races that we saw this year Opening up Sorelli and Strade was a fascinating side. I, um, as a viewer, a cycling viewer, there is no way we can be disappointed in the season that bogatra had, and that goes with a lot of riders that don't win all the goals that they set. Like Van Ayd won the green jersey, but he didn't win RVV or Roubaix. Well, RvV he didn't ride because he had COVID. But Roubaix he didn't win, and he doesn't win those monuments. But it's his riding style that gets people attracted to that. Remco won his bigger goals in previous years. He might not have been able to step up to. The top world tour races and world championships, but he already rode so significantly when it comes to the early attacks and so forth. It's I don't really rate my value of entertainment of riders on the results that they get, but on the way they ride. That's what I wanted to say.
0: Yeah. Um I only care about results. So if you <laughs> if you're a boring rider and you do the business, I don't mind too much. Whereas Valverde will ride really negative to his own detriment um, a lot of the time. So I'm curious to see if he goes into a DS role at Movistar. That's what's mooted. Um, He finishes this year, I think, in the top 10 of the UCI ranking at 42 years old, finishing in the top 10 – well, he finishes in the top six of every Italian semi-classic he did. He sixth in Lombardia. He came seventh in Liège, second in Flesh, second in Strade, Fifth in Valenciana, one Grand Camino, eleventh uh, in the Giro, where he kind of wasn't trying <laughs> for a lot of the race, including fifth in Africa, ninth in Circuito de Ghecho, thirteenth in the Vuelta, where he was a domestique for Mass. Just crazy. The one, I know. The one thing I would say is he didn't win a race since February. I definitely think he had the legs to. Um, and i guess he's not gonna learn he's not gonna learn new tricks now is he like his um didn't he lead out the sprint yeah. the other day from 350 like his sprint is still really really good he just he just goes from way way too early so did it uh, did it get better again it's it's fine last year yeah, it's fine it was weaker i think
1: yeah like that's my take on that i, I felt like this year he got faster getting those final sprints compared to last year. We were saying, oh, his sprint is not that anymore. It's it's like he, he probably trained uh, that sprint a bit more this year, I guess.
0: Where do you think... Like, do you think Movistar are okay? I guess if he's going to retire, you want him to do it at the end of the three-year relegation cycle. So you can kind of... Yeah. You don't want him to do it... If he did it last year, they would have been in very, very big trouble. And Garcia Cortina is performing a little better. Um... I think, yeah, it's crazy. Like he probably wants to retire, but he and Pozzovivo can easily keep riding. Even Niboli came fourth in the Giro. Like I know he didn't do as well as we might have hoped in Lombardia, but they're still well above average riders. Well above average at very you know senior ages. Pozzo's nearly forty, I think. So, any other thoughts from the race from uh, Valverde, Benji, from Movistar? um yeah anything else because it was kind of yeah like oh even on lombardi yourself do you think it's in the right spot in the calendar is it exciting um compared to the other monuments
1: i do find it exciting and it was more exciting than i thought it would be yesterday evening for example i was like okay my cycling hype towards the end of the season is always a bit lower than in the middle and towards the start that's obvious i think for many people that's the case but it still lived up to expectations today. I still very much enjoyed it. I think it's uh I don't know if it's in a good place in the gallery. I'd have to think about that a bit more. But my final note would be uh one more question, and that is uh we look at Pogacar having won three monuments right now. LBL and Lombardia last year, Lombardia this year. I think did we both mention that he would be able to win five monuments throughout his career? I think I I came to that conclusion at least, but I think you also get said that he could win all five monuments when we did that, that section last year, for example. Now he's won two of them, but one of them twice. Do you also believe that he can still win the other ones, knowing that Emco is coming up and so forth? Or will that make it harder for him in the coming years?
0: Uh, San Remo, what's he going to do there? He's got to... Difficult, eh? Go into a group like the way Kwiatkowski won and finesse again in MVP and then beat them in the sprint in a small group. Uh, so, yeah, he can win San Remo. Roubaix, is he going to base his season around it? That's the thing, you know. Is when you got the Tour de France yep. coming up, are you going to base your season around Roubaix not that far before it? Uh, in your prime. That's the key, in your prime. Whereas you might do it, like Wiggins did it, you know, when he just wanted to do it at the end of his career. So that's the question mark. RVV obviously can win. Um, so, yeah, he's that's just the question mark is scheduling about Roubaix because San Remo and um, RVV he can obviously win. Uh, whether, I, I do have a question, though, on UAE. Their strategy was fine today. They win. Pikachu is the best rider today, so they win. Um, I would say their strategy is only applicable or only really works when Pogaccia is clearly superior and when he isn't by far superior, I don't think it's the best use of resources. Uh The same was, it was exactly the same. They did the same strategy in Milano Sanremo, exactly the same, but he wasn't clearly superior and he just attacked on Poggio at the start into a headwind twice, more than twice and it went nowhere so yeah it relies on him being the strongest and doesn't work so much when he isn't
1: i disagree a bit as in i agree that a strategy would only work if pogatra is good enough to stay with moss over the chivilio and the samuel di batalia does that make him far superior that he's able to stay with moss i wouldn't say so but i also wouldn't compare Mazar to to this race, because in MSR, there's a bigger chance that a larger group gets over the podjo and then it becomes an issue of having to control rolling attacks and so forth after the podjo top. Like, that's the issues that Avonard would have and that a Peterson had and that a Ewan had, for example. Like, those writers have issues with that with that after the top of the podjo But I'd say that it is, I agree in the sense of the strategy only works if he's good enough to follow Moss, but I wouldn't say if he's far superior, necessarily.
0: Yeah, but that, that includes the sprint. So, like, he's superior because yeah, he has a sprint as well, whereas in MSR, yeah. he doesn't have the sprint advantage uh, against the bigger guys. But, yeah, just something to look at for next year, if perhaps, you know, Lombardia, they send a... a Remco turns up. He had his wedding instead today. Um, dodged Lombardia <laughs> for that. so. You know, you know where I stand on that. Um, and, you know, <laughs> he should have had it on Monday. He should have done lombardia Gravel Worlds combo. So, yeah, priorities, I guess. Anyway, that's all from us. Thanks for listening throughout the season. Last World Tour Race of the Year. We, of course, have a jam-packed calendar for the off-season coming, so stay tuned for that. But until then, ciao